Hello and welcome back to Politics Unboxed Podcast. My name is Reese, and today it is episode what is it, episode seventy one of the coronavirus updates section of the podcast. And there are, once again, more things to be talking about in relation to coronavirus in the United Kingdom. Uh, so it's another UK general update. And let's have a look and see what has been going on because first thing I'm going to touch on the United Kingdom has opted out of a European Union scheme on the coronavirus vaccination program Uh, so it will not be joining or rather we as I speak from someone in the United Kingdom will not be joining the EU's COVID-19 vaccine scheme that's according to the UK's ambassador to the European Union Sir Tim Barrow Um, In a letter to the European Commission, he said that if the UK joined the scheme, it would have no say on decisions including price or which manufacturers to negotiate with and would be unable to pursue parallel negotiations with potential vaccine suppliers. This scheme, set up by the European Commission, is aiming to secure supplies of coronavirus vaccines because... um, well, not to put too fine a point on it, that is kind of what the overall um, escape from global lockdown depends upon. Um, the Commission plans to enter into agreements with individual vaccine producers on behalf of the member states of the EU as part of a multi-million pound programme, and uh, an invitation was offered to, um, well, I think it was any nation who wanted to uh, apply as part of a collective and it will be done through the EU, and the UK, I think, was one of the, the higher-ranked ones on the list because, of course, um, well, the, the UK only having recently left the European Union. So in return for the right to buy a specified number of uh, vaccine doses in a time uh, time frame and at a price point, the Commission will then finance up front a part of the vaccine producer's costs, which... Um, Seems like quite a good deal for the the vaccine producers, actually. Um, they get some direct front costs covered, and um, they they still get paid for their, their goods as well. Uh, the Wellcome Trust, which was reacting to reports just before it was confirmed that the UK would opt out of the initiative, said countries urgently needed to work together if we are to stand any chance of delivering global equitable access to COVID-19 vaccinations. Because... Well, it's all very well that the United Kingdom, the United States, the European Union, talking about uh, things like this. But there are, are, are very poor countries throughout the world. Um, and a, a global partnership to to push for these vaccines could be of benefit to, to getting it to those um, sort of healthcare impoverished nations. Uh, the UK, of course, stands by its decision, or the UK government rather, stands by its decision to um, opt out of the scheme um, again going back to that letter from Sir Tim uh, Barrow our ambassador said the UK would not be participating because the UK would be required to stop its negotiations with manufacturers with which the EU launched negotiations um, he had also said that the commission had confirmed it would not be possible for the UK to have a role in the governance or shaping decisions on which manufacturers to negotiate with or the price volume and delivery schedule negotiated because of course if it's all going through the European Commission then the member states and the members of the Commission will of course get the right um, to decide on on governance parts 
um, as a result of various political events, which I, I, I'm not sure if they, they have all uh, passed you by or, or not. There was a referendum or something in, in 2016 and a general election in uh, December. Uh, but as a result of those recent events, we are no longer a member of the European Union and therefore have no commissioner uh, for whom Britain's voice could be lobbied in this particular scheme. Uh, despite not entering this plan, Sir Tim Barrow said there would still be collaboration between the UK and the EU on areas such as, and I quote, the sharing of information on promising vaccine candidates, vaccine trials and manufacturing investments and capacity building. Um, so there we are. Um, I can go back to the Wellcome Trust. They were urging the UK government to follow the EU's lead and secure vaccine doses for those who need it, saying this approach is critical to the first six to nine months of early vaccine ability as glo- sorry availability, not ability, as global manufacturing capacity is, quote, unlikely to match demand. Uh, both Labour and the Liberal Democrats have spoken out against this on a, a similar tone. Uh, Lib Dem leadership candidate Leila Moran tweeted, walking away from the EU vaccine scheme is putting ideology ahead of public health. Uh, with Labour MP Bel Ribeiro Addy tweeting, by refusing to join the EU's vaccine scheme, the government is yet again putting ideology before saving lives. Uh, the government will, of course, refute those uh, allegations. Uh, we know we've got our trials of vaccines going on in Oxford, and there's also one in London, I believe. There are about 18 across the world that are in clinical phase, and we have two of them. Uh, there are about 200 teams in total around the world, working on getting a new vaccine uh, up and running. Also, reports coming out of 10 Downing Street that they are considering uh, making um, masks or face masks mandatory in shops in England as a, a method of slowing the spread of coronavirus. That coming from senior sources and also uh, hinted at by... I suppose the most senior source being the Prime Minister in a Facebook Live People's PMQs video. Uh, he said, um, we are looking at ways of making sure that people really do have face coverings in shops, which does lean towards uh, mandatory uh, action. Now, Scottish uh, government legislation has made face masks compulsory in shops since the 10th of July, and they have been... I think I think the term was they're being encouraged for use by the uh, the British government uh, as a whole, or rather the UK government as a whole, but not uh, mandatory in England. Boris Johnson has also said people should be going back to work if they can now. Um, again, from this People's PMQs, um, he said, I think everybody has sort of taken the stay at home if you can. I think we should now say, well, go back to work if you can. It's very important that people should try to lead their lives more normally. Clearly an important point, he wants to get the economy kick-starting again, he uh, he wants people to get back into work and back into activity. It's it's another shift of, of direction. Uh, a little bit disappointing that we're moving back towards the economy so soon. We've already, uh, I just was discussing yesterday with Tom from A Few Things Wrong, the podcast interview I will get out very shortly on this channel. Uh, possibly even tomorrow, uh, but we were saying that there may well be going at too fast a pace uh, for easing lockdown. This would be another leap into hyperdrive. Um, going back to work 
if you can, rather than encouraging to stay at home if you can. Going back to the uh, the face mask issue, um, on the 15th of June, that was the first day when public transport, uh, on public transport in England, it was compulsory to wear face masks. Now we are nearly a month on, um, what is it, 10th of July as I record, 11th of July as it goes out. Um, is it a bit late to be making this initial move? I'm not saying it's not a welcome move now. Um but here here we are. Um, the UK government was, in the first phases of this virus anyway, initially hesitant about advising people to wear face coverings. They said the evidence they reduced transmission was weak. Uh, but then, of course, we, we know, as I just said, the, the public transport rules changed about a month ago. Um, on Friday, Boris Johnson said... The balance of scientific opinion seems to have shifted more in favour of them than it was, and we're very keen to follow that. So that, again, leaning towards saying, well, maybe it is time to make face masks mandatory. Uh, certainly in shops, he did go on to say we're not going to get, or he doesn't think we're going to get, to a world where we say everyone has to wear a face coverings the whole time everywhere. But he did say we need to be stricter in insisting that people wear face coverings in confined spaces where they are meeting people they don't usually meet. He says the future for the country has got to be a world where we are managing the virus so effectively with local lockdowns, test and trace that we ultimately uh, that we don't need ultimately to have some of the social distancing measures, which um, actually sounds more like he, he doesn't want the face masks, uh, certainly for the long term, but coming as part of a major, the, the sweeping arc of his narrative from that people's PMQs, um, that they are leaning towards mandatory face masks, certainly in shops and confined spaces. Um, we know uh, Labour is calling on the government for more clarity on the matter. Um, but uh, are we going to get it? Well, currently it's still advice if they're in enclosed spaces where social distancing is not possible for people in England to wear these face masks. Um, but there are exemptions. Uh, children under 11, people with disabilities, those with breathing difficulties, and anyone travelling with someone who relies on lip reading. But Scotland, as I said earlier, they're already mandatory in shops and on public transport. In Wales, people are asked to wear um, non-medical face coverings, obviously to, to save them for hospitals, uh, where uh, social distancing is not possible, uh, including on public transport, but they are not mandatory. And in Northern Ireland, just to go over all four nations of the UK, um, plans to make wearing face coverings on public transport compulsory have been put on hold because apparently they need some legal clarification on that. Um, yes, the the mask is an important mitigation. Uh, he was um, pictured out and about, uh, not here, the Prime Minister was pictured out and about at a shop and a takeaway in his constituency of Uxbridge. Uh, he was in the Uxbridge part, his constituency is actually Uxbridge and South Ryslip, but uh, there we go, just a political nerd in me couldn't not correct my own uh, slip. Um, but he was pictured in a face mask. Um, the overarching theme is leaning towards it is now time to make Face masks, uh, mandatory certainly in shops, um, 
The Prime Minister also urging people to go back to work and hinting at that policy. Again, it doesn't really take Sherlock Holmes to spot this uh, broad narrative. Um, People are being encouraged to start embracing the new normal. Going out and about again, spending money again, helping businesses again. All this eat out to help out, work out to help out stuff um, is, of course, important. This new normal, of course, can't just be old normal. Therefore, these mitigations are in place. And here come in the masks. Um, Public confidence is important in this one as well. And the other side has flopped around a, a little bit. always been on the agenda to an extent, and now they seem to be, yes, these are definitely very, very helpful. So now maybe it's time to make that leap and say, yes, now you just have to wear them, people. Um, The World Health Organization uh, apparently uh, has called us way behind, or rather UK, way behind other countries in terms of face mask usage. A report by the Royal Society said that in April 2020, 80% of Italians wore masks, 70% of Americans, and 65% of Spaniards. Back in April, the UK figure for mask wearing, 25%. Now, of course, clearly, mask wearing isn't the be-all and end-all. We know America's seeing a spike in cases, and uh, possibly... Um, very unfortunate to see, but possibly uh, a corresponding spike in um, in deaths as well. And they have a higher mask wearing percentage. But it is clearly um, important in, in some ways. It may not be the um, be-all and end-all, but it is important. It does help to suppress the transmission of this uh, disease, which can so easily be an airborne uh, spread. Um, Professor, oh gosh, I should have practiced this name, uh, Ramakrishnan, who is uh, a representative of the World Health Organization, I believe, said the government's guidelines have been inconsistent on this, saying what we would like for the government is to be a bit stronger and clearer about the messaging and require it, it being face mask wearing, whenever you are in crowded public spaces where you cannot get more than two metres away from the next person. Um, other people urging for clearer guidance, Sadiq Khan, uh, the Mayor of London, and um, Jonathan Ashworth, who is the Shadow Health Secretary for the Labour Party. So that, that is um, what what is going on in the coronavirus updates in the United Kingdom. Still waiting to see the full fallout from the economic statement. More jobs up for... Uh, for well really up in the air actually i was gonna say up for grabs but that implies the jobs are there and they might actually not be by the time this is all over um a burgeoning story that is sort of pushing its way onto the front pages um a conservative councillor is under intense scrutiny uh, after someone's been questioning ppe contracts The government is indeed under pressure to review its PPE deals after a Tory councillor ended up 
on the receiving end of major contracts. I think it's Face Shield, about 100 and 110, 120 million pound worth contract on on face shields, to which Labour, no surprises, said the government have serious questions to answer about the procurement process with the PPE. Um, but uh, that is not something I have all the details on, so I will go back over it at a later date. Could be a storm in a teacup, could be a real storm brewing. Um, anyway, that is all the time uh, I have for today on the Politics Unboxed podcast. So I'm going to do it. I want to thank you very much for listening. Uh, I hope to see you all around again soon for the next episode of the Politics Unboxed podcast. But until then, goodbye. Mm-hmm.